0: Coming to you live from the Business Radio X studio in Woodstock, Georgia, this is Fearless Formula with Sharon Klein. And welcome to Fearless Formula on Business Radio X, where we talk about the ups and downs in the business world and offer words of wisdom for business success. I'm your host, Sharon Klein, and today in the studio is a founder and owner of an IT company here in Woodstock. It's called Personalized Technology Services. Welcome to the show, Bronson Kurtz. Hello. Thank you. How are you?
1: Fantastic. I hope you don't regret having me on today.
0: What? Not yet, anyway.
1: <laughs> I tend to break rules and boundaries, so.
0: Right, well, maybe that's good for business. I think so. Let's let's talk about that. I mean, actually, if you think about it, innovators change everything, you know?
1: Yeah, I think there's a, um, uh, a willingness and a desire to Solve a problem, and if you're stuck in a certain boundary and you can't succeed, that's how things become stale.
0: Yeah, stagnant. Nothing moves. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about your your background. How long have you been in this industry? The IT industry.
1: Yeah, I've been in IT since 2006.
0: Wow! So you must have seen a lot of changes.
1: I have. Um, actually, uh, I was supposed to be bought out by another company, and so we were phasing out to be sold. And that changed, and then I had to rebuild the company again, and then COVID hit. And so we're kind of still, it feels, feels like we are rebuilding.
0: Wow, we're, really? We're getting there. So everyone I have on the show, I talk about what the, um, the pandemic was like for you. And obviously, when I started working from home 100%, um, I needed to upgrade a bunch of different things in my life, so I can't be the only one. Did that impact you as well?
1: Yeah, actually, we, uh, we already had most people. In place for working from home, it's kind of a built-in technology if if IT was done correctly. So uh, when things started happening with uh, COVID, as other countries were like burning down and exploding, we uh, we started going to the owners who didn't have it up and running. Right, look, like this if this happens, like if all the companies call in in the same week saying, "Hey, we need to work from home," we're going to be in trouble. Yeah. So let's be proactive about it. And so a bunch of companies became proactive about it because they had the technology. It's just a matter of learning how to use it.
0: Right. So for did you have a lot of people coming to you asking, help, help us have this technology for ourselves?
1: Yes. Uh, that was interesting because our focus is business to business. Um, we did a promotion on Facebook basically offering free tech support for teachers and families so that you know, even though we don't support homes as a profession – you know, people were stuck and they were struggling so we spent a lot of time on remote sessions just helping people get their computers sorted out so they can work that's, from home and did that
0: for free that's so kind yeah that was really kind not everybody does that
1: i mean it actually turned into some some very large contracts unexpectedly but i think that's how things work when you just give and you support without a expectation of getting something like good things tend to work out anyway
0: For the right reasons, all the right reasons.
1: I don't know how it would come back. I didn't have like a strategy for how it would come back. I just knew that uh, I'm kind of a believer of when you just do good things, you send good ripples out, it has a great effect in the world around you. And sometimes those ripples can bounce back.
0: Well, what were the main things that you had to fix for people?
1: Uh, Well, first off, I'm not in the ticketing room doing all the tickets. So I don't necessarily see all the little things that come in, but most computers are garbage. (laughs) <laughs> they, uh, they, they go to the store and they go buy a $200 Windows computer. Mm-hmm. The kids have been playing on it for two years. It's full of viruses and nothing works. And then I have that, you know, people saying, well, why don't I just buy a Mac? I was like, well, that's $2,000. So uh, you're not comparing the same thing. So the people want to wanting to buy new computers versus fix the ones they have. And, but us being able to provide the free support um, meant that we could help them even on their cheap computers where normally as it would be unaffordable. They'd have to go buy a new one.
0: What is the best computer someone can have at home? Then, what do you recommend?
1: Um, That's like saying, "What's the best car?"
0: I know there's like a there's right. You've got like you said, really expensive computers. Are you racing?
1: (laughs) Are you trying to be feel efficient? Are you trying to have fun? So yeah, if you're a gamer, are you are you Mm -hmm. trying to just you know do the bare minimum? So it kind of comes down to what you need. So as a business owner, I uh, for business to business, it's I can spec out a computer based on what they want. But to me, what matters is how good is the support. If a computer breaks uh, and there's a warranty on it, how fast can that company come back and service the computer?
0: So who is your ideal client?
1: Well, we uh, – you know, IT services everybody, and I don't normally say no to clients. That's changing. I have to – as we grow, we have to start being more selective with who we choose. Okay. But our specialty is in construction and medical. I grew up doing construction. Uh, I remember doing construction with my father when I was a kid. And even throughout high school, we would spend summer breaks, after school days off, doing construction for our family business. So I've grown up doing construction. My brother, he works in um, uh, in building construction. He got a Georgia Tech degree there. He works in construction now. So construction has been part of our family. So when I meet with a company that's needing IT support and they're a construction company, I speak their language. So I understand the workflow. Uh, we're also a, a vendor for large construction companies to pull like. Cables and their data centers, and installing all the racks and the servers. So we have a, we actually work in the construction space. So we uh, are pretty familiar with that vertical.
0: So how did you go from construction to being an IT?
1: So um, my during the um, the two thousand seven um, housing crisis mm-hmm. around that time is that, is that date right? Yeah, two thousand seven, two thousand eight. Yeah, I don't yeah. have it all memorized. But things were kind of building up to that point. So my my dad's business didn't survive. Oh. So it went it went down, and then while it was going down, one of our contractors who uh, we work with hired me to do electrical. So then I did electrical for a few years. Right around the time when all this was happening, and while I was doing electrical, I got a lot of exposure to doing things like running the computer cables in a house, and just having that exposure and more exposure to low voltage. And then I had a friend that we just started doing the IT stuff on the side. It started off with home computers, and then it grew into businesses.
0: I'm trying to imagine what it was like in 2007, 2008, as you know, home home computers. Of course, we had them, but it's very different now, isn't it? What's what are the, some of the biggest changes you've seen?
1: Well, the, your comment made me think of the home computers are very dif- difficult to work with because in a business world, um, all the computers are standardized, but a home computer, you never know what nightmare you're going to walk into. <laughs> You know, how much porn, how many of antiviruses are on there, everything's broken, and they spent two hundred dollars on the computer. So it kind of taught me the art of having to work very, very efficiently and quickly because a lot of people's computers were low end and they couldn't afford, you know, for me to be there a long time.
0: Got you. Goodness. But
1: I don't know the question you asked after that, but
0: what did I say? I don't remember. Uh, What are the biggest changes you've seen? Is that is that what I asked?
1: Yeah. So um the, the the PC and the Mac haven't really changed. Their, okay. their fundamental features are the same. Windows. Um, I would say the biggest change is the movement to the cloud. In 2007, when you wanted to have email, you had to have an exchange server or something like that in your office. Now, those are very difficult to maintain. If they broke, you were SOL. You had to get with Microsoft engineers. It was very difficult to work with. Now you can have enterprise-grade email in the cloud. So, um, for a minimal amount of money, you can run your business and have like this enterprise-grade email for even even for a small business. So, you know, cloud backups, on all, all the documentation, all the normal documents being in the cloud has changed the way a business can run. So now, when we meet customers, it isn't about how many servers we have to buy. It's like, hey, are we in the cloud correctly?
0: Is it your cloud?
1: <laughs> I do have a cloud. Mm. Uh, some of our clients uh, opt to use us for their. Uh, for their disaster recovery if their company demands it. Some companies, you know, if they go down, will lose $200,000 a day. So they have to spend the money to make sure that doesn't go down. And if it goes down, how long will it take to recover? So uh, we only have a few of those that are willing to, that can afford that. So um, most everyone else uses like you know, OneDrive and Google Drive.
0: So how do you, what do you use to combat hackers in your cloud?
1: Well, uh, most of it's encryption and they're limiting access to everything. So basically everything is blocked. You, Got can't, you. you can't get into it. So we have a direct connection from our systems to our servers. There's no way to access it.
0: I don't know why that came to my... Well, I know why. It's because um, I've had a credit card that I very, very rarely use that no matter where I seem to use it, it somehow gets hacked really easily. And I just... I was speaking to the credit card company recently where I'm like, this is like the fifth time and I hardly use this card. And they were saying these hackers are getting so much smarter than we can keep up with. Actually.
1: I don't know if the actual credit card gets hacked as much as there are lots of businesses that get hacked. Like Home Depot will get hacked. Oh, I got you. Yeah. Yeah. And then all of a sudden your emails and your credit card information have been leaked. They can't necessarily use it, but then they start collecting enough information and it's not a person. It's bots. Like wow. there's little mini computers that just uh, – mini programs that just collect all the information and actively try to hack you. Once your name is kind of out there and your email address is kind of known, you kind of become a target.
0: That's terrifying. It is. Yeah, but it's funny. In my mind, I picture some like kid who's much younger than me in like a really dark room. <laughs> in a dark room.
1: I think it's uh, <laughs> movies that do that.
0: that. Is <laughs> that what it is?
1: Yeah. So – Uh, Hacking doesn't really work that way. I imagine Mm -hmm. there's probably some extreme situation where you have a, uh, you know, one government trying to hack another government or some other entity and they are, you know, they have people trying to break in that way, but that's a very manual process. I would say most of the hacks that happen now are almost all human error. Like I gave an example recently of how a person's email was breached by a bot. So once the bot confirmed access to the email, a person logged into the email and said, oh, look, they've been getting direct deposits from this company. So they emailed their the boss and said, Hey, look, we're changing our banks. Can you change the direct deposit information? And so the, the boss, the employer changed it. And so then two weeks, three weeks go by and the employee's like, where's my, where's my paycheck? And they're like, oh, you told us to change your direct deposit information. So there's two, there's two human errors right there. One, they didn't have their email, personal email Protected. And because of a personal email hack, basically their business got hacked. And the second part is that when you do any kind of ACH or direct deposit, you're supposed to have a form that's printed out with a voided check that's signed and says, hey, look, this is my new information. So companies get cavalier, like, oh, just shoot me your kind of information. And that's easily um, tricked. So yeah. then, they didn't follow their procedures, on both sides, and then now someone has stolen their payroll.
0: What are the main um, problems that you deal with, with or that you handle and solve for a client? Main it, problems. It's
1: mostly human error. Huh? <laughs> it's
0: so sad. Because
1: we, <laughs> we have all the computers locked down, the servers locked down. Um, so it's human error. Uh, people just either they're buying the wrong equipment or they're not using the software correctly. Also, software does break. So, you know, we do a lot of work within Microsoft 365, and sometimes the um, programs just stop working, and there's no way to fix it. You have to get a Microsoft support call to fix it, and and I have no control over how Microsoft builds their their software.
0: So, as times gone on and your company has grown and succeeded, um, what would you find, um, what is what is your biggest challenge? Is it dealing with clients who don't have, I mean, I was kind of nervous to interview you because I'm not well-versed in IT information and I'm concerned that I'm going to sound stupid. <laughs> <laughs> I talk to you, but okay. So there it is. It's out there in the world. But anyway, I appreciate that you're not making me feel stupid. Thank you. <laughs> but, um, no, but I'm thinking, is that what you deal with someone like me? Who's like, I don't know. It's just not working. <laughs> you know?
1: It's, it's very, very common. Uh, it's a, uh, I hear this line all the time. It's like, Oh, I, you know, I, I know computers just enough to break them. It's a, I hear that daily.
0: That's, that's me. You're hearing it today. Again. Well,
1: it's uh it's normal because like, you know, I don't need to master other people's industries. So uh, people use the computers a lot of times out of necessity, but they don't understand what they're trying to do. So um, that's a, that's a, I was, I told you before this started and as we were pre-gaming that uh, I'm going to we are rebranding our business. And one of the names I was going to think of doing was called it therapy (laughs) because like a lot of the problem solving is the same. Like, Oh, this breaks, this is the fix or I got to find the fix the challenge sometimes is when dealing with a customer who thinks all their business information is gone or some, they put all their personal computer pictures on their computer and work and it died. And now where's all the pictures? Uh, We've had a number of those where like old family photos of like, you know, a late parent are on a computer and the computer dies and they never backed it up. And now it's my fault or at least not my fault, but they're definitely venting in my direction. So, uh IT therapy was a kind of a, a thing we were thinking about doing on TikTok where I sit there in like a lab coat and and just like okay breathe it's going to be fine and <laughs> that's
0: what you that's what you do a lot is kind of talk people down from the yes, ledge from the so ledge
1: yeah so because the, the the implementation is the same almost everywhere to solve a problem so mostly it's like reassuring someone that you can do it because like if, if a hard drive is broken you you don't have a lot of cho- choices so you know whether you call me or someone else like you're it, the end result is probably the same. Okay. So now it's more like, okay, like I have to reassure this person that they're in good hands. I'm going to do my best, but you know, whatever's going to happen is going to happen.
0: I have to say that if I ever have issues, um trying to work and I can't figure out what's wrong. I, I'm not proud of this, but I get a little bit like unreasonable because <laughs> I'm limited I don't really know how to fix something that I absolutely 100% need to be fixed. So I might be one of those clients that needs talking from. So
1: we knew we need a new name. Like, uh, you know how people get really angry when they're hungry? And we came up with a name for that. Angry. Hangry. Angry. Yeah. So when your computer stops working and you're angry, we need a new.
0: Okay. I'm going to work on this. New word
1: for that. And a logo. Okay.
0: (laughs) So when are you going to do your rebranding? I mean, that's like an idea. One idea, right? IT therapy. Yeah.
1: That didn't happen because um, it was more humorous. Oh, and I'm actually not a funny person. What? Uh, I'm, we've
0: been we've been ch- like laughing. Wait, have I been laughing? Yes. No, I appreciate you. You're, you're actually very funny. I Oh uh, no,
1: when I say the I'm times not, that
0: we've chatted before. So. No,
1: when I say I'm not a funny person, is like you know I'm very very serious minded. So I can I can of course laugh at a joke. Uh, my humor it tends to be a little bit dry, but usually I'm pretty focused, and pretty intense and serious minded. At least that's what my wife will tell me. Oh. <laughs> So my kids tell me that, too. It's like uh, uh, they think I'm always in like self-betterment mode and have to do better all the time. And that kind of kind of wears everyone down sometimes. I got you. So uh, IT therapy was too humorous. Like, I I don't think I could maintain that.
0: I don't know, but your kids would probably love it.
1: (laughs) I'm already their therapist. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) no, no, we actually do have therapists for the kids. That's a thing I believe in. But um, no, actually, uh, I can tell you what what we're going to rebrand our company to. What is it going to be? Uh, do you want the backstory first? You want yes, the name first? I always
0: like backstories. I like to understand the whole story. All
1: right. So first off, I'll, I'll give you the backstory and then the name. So I wanted to come up with a name that, um, that really resembles where we've come from and where we're going to. When I first came up with our name, Personalized Technology Services, I wanted it to be different because in the IT space, it's like trying to talk to a person who lives in a cave that speaks these really big words and –
0: that's what I thought today was going to be like. Yeah.
1: You don't know what you're talking about and now you feel extra dumb. I wanted to really personalize the approach to technology and I kind of had a way with talking with people so they could understand the things I was saying.
0: You dumbed it down. I don't, I don't know, know if it's dumb I, I, d- either, no, it's not dumb, but you just you use the right words in order to make the like, it's like trying to talk
1: to a doctor and they're trying to tell you what's wrong with you and they use these huge words and diseases. And you're like, I, I still don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> And like I feel like a good teacher can simplify very complex ideas. Uh, you know, even um, uh, to those uh, to those who are Christians, they look at the example of Jesus. One of the things he was able to do was to speak about very complicated things in a very simple way. So, I think the the a person who's trying to improve their communication, improve their uh, their approach to teaching anything, is to take something that's very complicated and to simplify it. So sometimes when people try to teach things with very big words, it's almost like they're trying to impress others by how many words they know and and no one understands them. So I think it's more important to speak simpler and be understood. Anyway, that was the goal with personalized technology services. We want to really just change the energy of that approach. So that has changed, though, because that was 2006. And now, you know, since then we have a family, we have employees, we have much more travel We have much more pain and loss in our life as, as life is for everybody. So I went on some adventures. So after my, uh, my dad died, uh, my dad was trying to get us to go to uh, Europe on a family trip. We never had a chance to do it, but after he died in Germany, I was kind of forced to go over there because my mom was there. And so my brother and I went over there and kind of really got our first exposure to Europe as adults. And our family was kind of a European family, so we kind of align with some of the European cultures.
0: I saw that you speak German. <laughs>
1: uh, I try to speak German. <laughs> um, I practice it every day. Um, but what,
0: what was it like to be there then and kind of be exposed to a place that your dad had always wanted you to, to really invest, like be part of?
1: It was a, it's a tricky situation because first, if I wanted to be there, but when you're going over there on such an emotionally raw level, like you're going you're gonna to bond no matter what no matter what country you go to, where that place is. That's so great. it was, it was a good bond. And then, then we brought our family back. So our families over there. And then it, it, it kind of started this whole travel thing for our family and that we've been doing it ever since. One of the places we ended up going to was, uh, Norway and we've been to Norway like three or four times now. And it seems like every time we go, it's in the middle of winter. So <laughs> apparently we like the snow or something or mountains. So, uh, we went there in the beginning of December and I knew that the days were really short when you would go there. So I started doing research and it turns out like for the time being that we were there like the sun was only going to rise for like 45 minutes. Oh my gosh. And that's a pretty foreign concept, right? So I was like what is it like to live in the Arctic where the snow comes up for only 45 minutes? Like what do you do with all that darkness?
0: And how does it affect your body too with the circadian rhythms? Right. And then
1: uh, am I going to be depressed the whole time? Like, so I didn't know what to expect. I went online and did a lot of reading. I couldn't find a lot of information on the subject. Um, So anyway, we did it. Took the family on an adventure and just went with it. But I was actually pleasantly surprised. Uh, The, uh, if you were to Google, not Google, look on Wikipedia and look up Norway, um, you would see that there's no increased rates of depression in Norway during the winter months. And then the winter months is called the winter solstice when the day is, is the shortest. So, um, so when we went there, and all the towns were open, and there's great food, and there's great energy in the cities, and the landscape is beautiful. And uh, so, yes, yes, the sun doesn't rise for very long, but the sun sits on the horizon for like four hours. Oh, I get it. So, bet it's so tell me, when when the sun sits just below the horizon, what does what does the sky look like?
0: Like a sunset? Yeah. A sunrise?
1: Yeah. So we call that golden hour in photography? Yes. So basically you have golden hour on the fire skies for four hours. So like, yes, the sun doesn't come up. Yes, it's not very bright. Yes, if you're surrounded by mountains, it's going to be darker. But the sky is always colorful.
0: Oh, I love that. Yeah, sounds so, so it, sounds,
1: it sounds really beautiful. You're on the coast. Like I said, you, the restaurants are there. Cobblestone walkways everywhere. The amber lighting in the streets. And then at nighttime, right around 10 o'clock, the northern lights come out. So so when you go out driving around you look up in the sky the sky is dancing green and, and you can, it, you can feel the energy in the air from all these uh, all this high energy radiation is kind of floating floating through the sky so I was so so genuinely surprised by how beautiful it was that we did it again so uh, <laughs> so taking that like surprise and like hey this is a, a, a journey that most people don't take. And most people just want to go to the beach. And so when they think of going on an adventure to there, it's like, Ooh, that sounds really difficult and cold and cold and miserable, dark and dark. So usually working with it companies is pretty, pretty stale. So, uh, we, I was like, well, I want to rebrand. How do I share my love of adventure, love of travel? You know, I, my energy to be different. And so that name of uh polar night came out. It's the colloquial term for the winter solstice. Polar night. And so, uh, I decided the name of the company, polar Knight, spelled N I T E, uh, focusing on it of the oh, word night. So, clever. uh, it'll be, it'll say polar night. And the idea is to, I got inspiration from, um, a little bit from uh, black airplane here in Woodstock oh. because they're a software company and they're called black airplane. So if you were to, you know, look up or Google a software company, you'd be like what's black airplane that makes no sense. Like what's this? It caught my attention. So uh, my thought process, on it too, was that if a person was looking for an IT company and they were Googling something like that, you'd probably see all the standard names, including mine.
0: Personalized, Personalized technology. Yeah, users. exactly.
1: Yeah. But how, how weird would it be to see something called Polar Night? So I deliberately wanted to create an effect where someone would look at that name, either think, they're crazy, I don't want to hire them. <laughs> or, hey, they seem pretty cool, I, I think I would want to work with them. And so the name would become a filter.
0: Well, if you're just joining us, I'm speaking with Bronson Kurtz of Personalized Technology Services, soon to be Polar Night. Polar Night. But you know, the winter solstice is coming up on the 21st. It'd be a great day to rebrand. We
1: just announce it on that day.
0: <gasps> oh, that's, that's a great cool.
1: idea. <laughs> we're, we're brainstorming right now. We just created something.
0: Well, I love the idea of being different because I think I always heard this. I want to say, is it Dolly Parton who said this? You either have to be first, best, or different to really stand out. And that is. Different. I'm
1: not first, not the best, but I can be different.
0: I can be different too. Let's hope. Let's hope I'm because I'm definitely not first or the best. I'm the best for me. That's that's my healthy therapy. Yeah, word. I think,
1: Yeah, I think the uh, the the general goal is: are you better than you were yesterday? And so, on a, on a journey, it doesn't matter what anyone else is doing necessarily, but it's what you're doing, what we're doing.
0: Well, in the whole process of of kind of going through all of your travels and exploring different parts of the world, but also learning about yourself. Have you found that there's some really strong commonalities of people all around the world?
1: I I haven't really had a problem with um, people being different. I feel like when you just get past the, the stereotypical boundaries, which to me weren't really a thing, People are the same. They like to congregate around fire and congregate around drinks and they want to go explore and see the world. So I didn't really run into that problem uh, with that. I did I did enjoy having different perspectives because sometimes you get stuck in your town and you only know, you get overly familiar with just your world view from Woodstock or your state or, heck, even the United States. We have just the two main news channels that we watch and that's all that we see. But when you step outside of all that, There's a shockingly new perspective, uh, new angles to look at the way we look at our problems. So I think having having a fresh perspective on any problem is like a a critical part in solving it.
0: I've always heard that if you leave the United States, when you come back, it's not the same United States,
1: especially when it comes to coffee and pastries. Oh, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, I, I, I I I go through like a food depression thing because like in every town. Uh, like even in the smaller towns up in Norway, you you look up coffee shop. There's like all these choices and they're all like 4.6 on Google and higher. And then you come over here and it's so little choices and and there's no bakeries.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well,
1: there's a couple, but like either they're too big or too sweet, but like genuine based pastries. You walk in and you see all the bread and the chocolate croissants out all day long with yeah. coffee. You just don't see a lot of those.
0: I guess I'm, I'm, I'm lacking, aren't I? And I don't know it. I have to go explore the world a little bit to, because that sounds wonderful to me. Like imagine getting up and smelling like pastries that have just been baked and like coffee. And it's that's fantastic. Yeah, enjoy.
1: New York has a, a better culture for that. Uh, even even in California too, um, but not for some for some reason here in Woodstock. There's there's limited. Although I did hear rumors that there might be uh, a coffee shop coming. Things
0: are always changing here. Really close, you know, it's growing. Another one. Another one. Well, good in downtown Woodstock because they closed recently one of the, the coffee shops that I used to go and work at sometimes. And um, I feel like there's, there's a need.
1: I've also heard rumors about that one too. So we'll see what happens.
0: Okay. Well, I wanted to ask you also, what, what are some of the ups and downs that happened to your industry?
1: Well, ironically, the um, I think during COVID in general, what happened is everyone went into a, a spend freeze. So normally, you know, we have a a certain amount of income, but then we also have a lot of projects that happen. Now, Remember, most of our clients are in construction. Mm -hmm. So these construction projects that were going on were pre-funded and some of them take five, six years to build. So before COVID happened, the job was going to be finished and they had the funding for the job. So a lot of our clients weren't really affected by COVID. So we stayed in business, thankfully. And with that being a business, we were able to help others with that. But, uh, we usually need some, a series of projects for companies to do. Like we have to upgrade this or upgrade that to see the growth that we need. And those projects stopped basically. It was like, is this an absolutely critical necessary spend? Cause we don't know what the world's going to be like next year. And we need to reserve, keep all cash if possible, unless it's a necessary purchase. So we did struggle because, uh, and we kind of broke it, barely broke even that, uh, first year. And we had to even, you know, we got the payroll protection and we used all of it for our employees. So it was still tight, but we survived.
0: So having gone through that, are there things that you are not afraid of anymore? Or are there things in regarding being a business owner that you still have kind of in the back of your mind as something that could, um, that you need to look look out for?
1: Um, I don't know if, um, afraid or fear is the right word. What's the right word? Um, like I have a stress because mm. I have families that are dependent upon, upon me and I have to do my job. If I don't do my job, it, it affects people in a negative way. So I have that stress. And then if I don't do my job well, or if our company doesn't improve well or adapt well, then we won't survive. And then, then I have to let people go. And that's not a great feeling. You care. I very much care. So, um, but when it comes to fear, uh, I'm a, I'm a kind of a person that will confront the darkness and I confront my problems. At least I try to, I'll go into the abyss uh, and, and a fight or a flight re- response. I have a fight response. So when there's a fear, like I'll acknowledge it. Oh, there might be danger. Like I'm not going to go into an alley by myself and like, that's stupid. <laughs> so like there's a fear like, Oh, well, I can, I can look at that, but I'm not going to not go in like in the city because one street might be dangerous. I, just, I can still be intelligent about it. So um, I don't know if I have any fears as much as the pressure to perform and the pressure to adapt, the pressure to do better. Right now, our goal this year was to um, 3X our business, and we did 2.5X. So we almost reached our goal. uh, But as we brought on new businesses, there has been a stark spotlight on the fact that we have to improve the way we do our business. So – I don't need to be taking on anyone else right now. I have to do what I'm doing better because if I don't, I go down.
0: So it's not so much big as it is a, a deeper understanding of your own, what you have yeah. right now.
1: Optimize the work I'm already doing. Wow. So that so there's that pressure because I look around, and I see, oh, if I don't do this, then I won't survive. So I would say it's more, more pressure and confrontation than fear.
0: And it's your own that you put on yourself. Yeah. I mean, that's interesting, I think, because a lot of people have this notion of um, have to expand, have to grow numbers, numbers, but you're actually looking at it more as um, per- perfecting what you have in front of you.
1: Yeah, I think the numbers game can be tricky because you can chase a number and re- reach a metric and still be doing poor or doing awful. Um, and they've tested that a bunch of times in, in business. So I am I, I guess I can take the example like from wrestling. I, I used to do uh, jujitsu. Uh, I would love to get back into it. But, um, one of the things with jujitsu that I learned was to master the basics. And if you didn't know the basics of how to move and how to fall and how to like get out of a position, if you started just learning more and more moves and you didn't have the basics, you still lost. So we would spend in our, in our jujitsu classes, even up, I, I reached the rank of purple belt, um, we would still spend time, even though we were advanced enough to do more advanced moves, we would still spend time doing basics. So I think that um, to me, it's like taking the time to do the basics of how well does your team communicate? How well do you organize the information? You know, what kind of energy are you creating in your office? Like the basic things of running a business that I guess can fall through the cracks. If you just, just focused on growth And then if you really get to nail the basics, in my opinion, you build a really solid foundation, and then you can grow because you
0: have optimized. That makes sense. Taking care of what's most important first.
1: It's kind of like our self-care.
0: Yeah, I was like, just thinking the parallel. <laughs> you're speaking and I'm thinking about something. I was listening, I promise, but I was thinking about it. Well, it's your
1: job to think of the next question. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> you, have to, you have to keep the conversation going. <laughs>
0: well, I was thinking about myself, unfortunately, because like I've been seeing a therapist. And so this therapist was talking about you don't have to be perfect at anything. It's it's getting – you're going to fail. You are going to fail. It's it's a given. But it's how you get up. It's like how you are becoming more resilient um, because there's some people that don't. And and I love the notion of that because it's it's – relieves me from the pressure of trying to navigate relationships or my job or my voiceover, um, job, having, having all of that. I have a, an inherent, I want to succeed. And if I do everything right, it will, you know, like I was saying, I have control issues, but at, at the same time, it's, it's relieving knowing that there's just really no way it's going to go as well as I think it's going to go. It's, it, it, it will fail. Something will fail.
1: It's going to fail. And the, the, can you adapt and can you, <laughs> respond with a smile in a way to those things. And I think that kind of comes down to the, the self care that we're talking about. Like, um, like if a person is what would be a good example, if a person is, you could see a person, if they're thin, you think, Oh, they're healthy. But if they're, be, they're if they're on a bad diet, they could have really bad arteries and not have good cardio, but they're thin because that's all that you see. So it's, it's like, what's beneath the surface. Um, so, like with self care, it's it's really really important to ha- to match the things that no one else sees. What is the um, what is the the time that you take for yourself? The time it takes to just stop and think about where you where you are going, thinking about what what you need to confront. Um, I have followed several people and other leaders in the industries about what their healthy routines are. And every single person that has achieved a level of success has a routine on self-care. And no one sees it. It's not in the public eye. It's not all, not all over the internet, but they wake up, they work out, they wake up, they have a positive mindset routine, they uh, they journal, they reflect, they have a music routine, and they just spend time on themselves. And that time on themselves is like this core foundation to which all the pressures of your job can grow upon and you are stable. So, um, and again, it's one of those things that you do and no one sees, but it comes out. People can see the effects of it. It's like working out. No, people may not see that you're working out, but they'll tell, they can, you will know if someone's working out because you can, you can tell if someone's working out.
0: It's funny. Diesel David was on the show um, a while ago and he talked about the same things. I didn't know that you all, you all can chit chat about that kind of stuff. You we, know, already, having... we already we already. Oh, do. is that right? Yeah. Oh, is that why you're friends? <laughs> That works though. He has
1: a he has an amazing mind.
0: Oh, he does. Yeah, talk about feeling intimidated with conversation. I was like, yeah, that sounds. Great. He scares me. Yeah. <laughs> well, good then we're in good company. <laughs> so I wanted to ask you as well, like, what do you find is the most rewarding part of your job? Like, what what or your in your career, I should say, not just job.
1: So one of the things I've kind of taken away from the European model is a work to live culture. And I think here in the United States, we have a live to work culture. And so when you go over to Europe, the way they'll talk about us, it's like, you know, what are you guys doing over there? Why are you so healthy, unhealthy? Why are you so stressed out? And you compare their way they live there. I was in, um, I was in um, Zurich and we were just taking a, walk around Lake Zurich and we saw all these business people in their suits, taking their lunch break, just walking around the lake, eating an apple. And we're like, what is this? Like, I can't. Even, <laughs> you have can't, an
0: email to respond I, to.
1: <laughs> I can't even imagine. But they put their phones away, and they stop, and they have conversation, uh, and they take time to just enjoy being outside.
0: How much of a challenge is that for you here in the United States, though?
1: Well, it's hard to walk places here. Well,
0: I'm saying like just balancing your life um, with sort of self-care and making sure that you're not burning yourself out, especially with I- IT industry being 24 24- – well, yeah. everything's kind of 24-7 these days. It well, seems. IT specifically. Yeah. IT specifically 24-7. Is it a challenge to create boundaries around uh, work
1: um, or balancing? Well, right, well, right now we are understaffed, so our team has been working pretty hard and pushing past – I I would consider acceptable boundaries because I would like to lead with a, a work to live culture. So, you know, we give everyone um, starting vacation at four weeks. Um, We, um, we do uh, three day weekends once a month. And so everyone gets a long weekend, regardless of a holiday, as long as they all, they all don't do it together. Uh, I want people to pursue their hobbies and their interests, and I'll, you know, I supplement their travel. Like, I want them to do things that they love to do in their life. So, when, when I look at my work now, it's I still, I love I doing computers, and there's a certain like itch in my brain that happens when I can solve these problems. So, that is very satisfying for me personally. But now it's more than just that. Now it's like, what does it enable me to accomplish with the rest of my life? Am I now able to do my travels? Am I able to pursue my hobbies and interests? So then now the work is linked to my life. So one your whole life, it is, it's not my whole life, even though for me as a business owner, it kind of, it feels like it is sometimes, but really it, it gives me the opportunity and my team the opportunity to pursue the things they want to pursue. So at least that's what, what I hope happens. And I I believe the culture is already there. Like I said, we're still very, very small and there's much, much more to do in this space. That's kind of the trajectory I hope How many to many
0: employees. Do you have, I don't, is that a good question to ask? I don't think I've ever asked anyone that on the show.
1: We have a mix of employees and contractors and we were, um, I'm interviewing my seventh.
0: Oh, well that's a so, pretty sizable company. I mean, maybe, I don't know what, I, what I like though is they must love coming to work for you knowing that they don't have to work there for 10 years before they earn like four weeks off.
1: Right. Um, I, I'm actually not even super strict about it. I think it may have taken more than four weeks, but, uh, whatever.
0: But you might have loyal employees. We, uh,
1: yeah, I, I think, that's, I think that's true. Um, we also like to do like if work is slow, like we'll play video games in the office and we'll watch the soccer game, you know, we'll watch events. Like I try not to make everyone work every second of the day. Right now it's hard because I said we're understaffed. So we need more people. Who do you need? Well, right now it's tier two technicians. Tier two. Okay. Yeah.
0: I'm sure whoever knows what that means is going to hear. Well,
1: I, I, need, I need a person that can do more than just reset a password. Like I need someone that can actually, you know, design infrastructure.
0: Okay. Well, this is good to know. This may be an opportunity for someone who's listening to.
1: I have a number of resumes and a lot of the resumes, again, they're coming from people that are coming right out of college. And right now the last four interviews I've done with people coming out of college, basically they're an intern. I don't know what is being taught in colleges, um, but when I go through a, a rudimentary technical questionnaire, like, hey, have you done this, and what is this, and how do you do this? The answer is no to everything. Wow. So when I have to hire a person, even coming right out of, right out of college, they don't know anything. Interesting. So I don't know what they're teaching them. So basically, you know, and, and, and at a college, they're wanting like $70,000 a year. It's like, I'm going to pay you $70,000 to teach you how to do it just so you can leave me to work somewhere else. I'm like, okay, that's not going to work. So there's a hiring situation with that. So I've, I've been finding that, uh, hiring people without degrees that have worked in the space and have experience has been a better for me. Um, so it's a weird hybrid. Like, so now when I hire people from college, they're interns basically. And they have to, they have to agree to an internship. Um, what's interesting about that is it's, people that decide like, I guess when they're 18, they want to go to college and do it. But uh, the people that are really exceptional at it are the people that never needed to go to college. They were building their own stuff when they're six years old and they, they have a natural knack of it. They've loved it their whole life. I remember, um, are you familiar with Xbox, Xbox live?
0: Yes. I mean, I know about it. Yeah. I've never played it. It allows
1: for people on Xbox to play with all p- other Xbox players around the world. Right, right. Well, on the first generation of Xbox, Maybe it was the first or second. I don't remember. We all were playing Halo, and we were all bringing all our our Xboxes over to our house. We we connect them all together and play sixteen player Halo.
0: <laughs> wow!
1: <laughs> and uh, that became cumbersome after a while. And so we were like, you know, how do we solve this problem? So we ended up building our own Xbox Live, so that we could all play from home without having to you know bring all our TVs and Xboxes over to our, our to my house. So, like, that's an example of, like, okay, like, you love something, you like game, you like technology, what are you going to do to to fix a problem, and what can you demonstrate with that? So, that love or that desire to solve technical things, I think, exists before college. So, that's a challenge I face. Like, oh, I have this degree in technology. Okay, well, what what have you done before that? Uh, Nothing. It's okay. Well, you know, in my experience, the ones that are amazing at their job love it, regardless of college. so.
0: I like the notion that you don't have to go to college to succeed. There's something about that that's just so appealing to me.
1: Yes. I know that um, I think in some industries maybe college is required. Uh, I know my, one of my daughters wants to be a theoretical physicist. So I <laughs> believe that requires a college degree oh. because it's very, very complex. Uh, they're not going to know how to run a business or know how any software works, but they'll know how you know, you know atoms interact or at least – Theoretically. The theory of it. <laughs> theory of it. Uh, my middle daughter wants to be a nurse. She has a, a nurturing spirit to help people. Well, you need to go to school for that. But like for a trade or even IT, a lot of that can be self taught. And if a person has a good work ethic and a desire to learn, I think a person can be taught anything. But the ability to work or have a good or have a good work ethic or good work spirit is more difficult to find. So when I interview people now, it's more like, okay, what is your energy? Like, do we vibe? Let's talk. Let's see what our, our interactions are like. And that to me is almost more important. Um, cause like, again, all the other stuff can be taught.
0: That's fascinating too. Just, it's almost personalities, you know, as opposed to brain, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah. I mean, they have to, they have to, they have to have the aptitude to learn. Uh, desire and, to and learn. solving problems is a necessary skill. So you know if, if their aptitude or their IQ is too low, I'm not going to take a test, but like, if we talk and they, they're struggling solving problems or answering my questions or be willing to be wrong about things, they're, they're not going to be a fit. So I, I have never not hired someone um, when it was necessary based just on skill. It was almost always based on their energy and their work ethic um, and, and the conversation flow. Uh, right now for this tier two position I'm hiring for, they need to have a certain knowledge, but I don't need them to have a degree. I need to, I need them to pass basically a knowledge test, and the knowledge test won't be a test; it's an actual interview. I think tests can be tricked, so I'm gonna ask, I'll ask the questions because I know how to do all of it, and tell me how do you solve this problem, and have them work it out for me, and I'll challenge them, push back, and how that conversation goes. It's not about being right or wrong, or if they, made a, if they failed or succeeded at their problem. It's like the dialogue, the energy, the back and forth, the willingness to learn. Those are the things that stand out to me the most.
0: Do you find in IT that it's challenging to find people who are willing to be wrong or willing to admit that they're wrong?
1: I think it's a human problem, not an IT problem.
0: I was wondering if it was in particular something you deal with with IT because it's so cerebral.
1: I I I think I've noticed it more with older hires who've been in it for 30, 40 years and the market is shifting to a different way to do things. And, and if they don't, if their mindset isn't on change, it's just why, why are we doing this? Then that's a problem. One of my, um, one of my first uh, larger clients, you know, they had homegrown tech and the guy who managed all their IT built everything from scratch. And, but there were products available that we didn't have to do that anymore. But their mindset was to do this really old, complicated, difficult thing. So when things broke, there was no way to fix it and no way to get help. And you can't run a business that way. So uh, they were old. They hadn't They hadn't changed and adapted with a newer way to work. Did you
0: encourage them to adapt?
1: Oh, they were fired. I was Oh, hired.
0: <laughs> but, oh. oh. <laughs> so they were old school.
1: Uh, yeah. So I, I've interviewed people that are older than me. I, I think the oldest person I've, I've interviewed has been 60. And um, I've noticed the challenge with that is one, they feel uncomfortable that I'm interviewing them. Uh, it's like, how dare I do that? So,
0: so there's ageism.
1: Yes, for sure. And I'm I'm willing. Like I don't care how old the person is. What I care about is a mindset. So there are younger people that have an old mindset. I don't know if "old" is the right word. Maybe a a sterile Outdated. or stale mindset.
0: Outdated mindset. Okay.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm a believer in the balance of the whole um, the order and chaos concept. I don't know if you're, if, if you're familiar with that. A little bit. I, I think people are familiar with that yin and yang. Yes, uh, I'm familiar so, with that. Yeah. So I believe that um, stale is how you basically rot away, and if you're too chaotic, you destroy the world around you. So you know you have to blend both of them together to change with a purpose. And so when things are hap- coming your way, should you blindly accept them? Or should you think about it and choose what's the best best path forward? But you can't be; it's different. I am not going to change like the crudes. It's like new. How'd that go? It's new.
0: <laughs> new is scary. It can be
1: but again. Again, it's a mindset. I think the younger generation of people um, are, have grown up on change more than our older generation. So, like my kids, they've had you know they get a new iPhone every two years, and so they, and the new software update every year and they go to school and there's new they're laptop new systems like they're built on change yes. so whereas even in my generation when i graduated high school it, there wasn't a lot of change it was the kind of the same thing like you know facebook came out what 2000 for high, for colleges it was a private thing for colleges yeah yeah we you know we had dialed the internet it was very there wasn't a, there was change but not like a ton of change whereas now it's like there's new tech every
0: I know my computer is like five years old.
1: It's already outdated. Yeah.
0: Oh, it's, it's old school for sure. Um, and so is my car, but I'm good. I'm good with that. Well, where would you like to see your company? Let's say 10 years from now. Um, with a new name,
1: with a new name. So polar night, I would like to see that to be, to be completely self-sufficient without me. And then with that, once it's, once it's self-sufficient, that will then free me up to do several other endeavors that I I would like to do.
0: Do you want to talk about your endeavors? Um, are they private and you no, just want to wait?
1: I'll share it. Um, so I, one of my hobbies is photography. And actually I, I have a, a branding crisis here in Woodstock because I do so much photography that people see me as the photographer in Woodstock all the time. No kidding. Yeah. So it's like, well, I'm actually – not, not what I do. This <laughs> is my hobby. But the photography happens, happens to be very visible. Well, I was in Iceland. And we were um I was just, you know, exploring and taking it all in. And I saw this uh this lifted Mercedes van with like these thirty-eight super swamper tires on it. Like I was like, what is this? What is this place? And so it turns out that uh this like this ex doctor, retired doctor from the United States, decided to take his photography skills and retired in Iceland and basically started photography tours.
0: And he charges
1: like $250 a person for like a, a five hour trip. And of course in the summertime, there's the sun never even sets. So you can squeeze in probably two of those. He works, uh, he, his van fills up with 12 people. Uh, when I say van, it's, that's the wrong word. Like it's a lifted monster of a vehicle, okay. uh, which you need to have, which you need to have over there. And so basically he runs two sessions a day, three days a week, and it's completely booked out. And so it's 250 times 12 people, and that's for the first half of the day.
0: Wow. Can't imagine. <laughs>
1: imagine having a fleet of those. So uh, you could
0: see yourself doing that?
1: Um, well, because I like to travel. So, how do, I do, how do I combine my hobbies with a business?
0: But that's the goal, right? That was, I mean, I love the notion of that as something that you have a passion for already and you're making money with. You know, yeah. that's kind of what I'm doing with voiceover. I love that. So it's like, what, I can make money? Hooray. You know how so win That's
1: what happened with me in photography and my drone work. Like f- drones and photography are a hobby to me. But I do so much of it that now I get hired to do a lot of it. So now it's it's now the the, the paid work pays for my hobby, I guess. So I want taking that concept to other things that I enjoy doing, specifically traveling. I would like to travel. Gotcha. And so um, I also want to do the, the Airbnb route. I don't want to just do Airbnbs here at the beach. I want to do Airbnbs and cool places, cool places, literally cold and cool places. So,
0: would you want people to contact you if they're interested in photography?
1: Um, so not, not really, (laughs) (laughs) not really.
0: You have enough work as that is. Uh,
1: Yes, I'm, I'm, I'm drowning. So basically, my photography is a service that I do to support the community. So I do get hired. I'm not going to say necessarily no to work. Usually it's pre-existing relationships or a lot of it comes from my, my IT clients because they know I do drone work and photography. So they just ask me to help them out and they'll hire me to do work. Got you. But like people will tag me on Facebook right now. If they, hey, they're doing headshots. I'll tag me. I'm like, no, I'm not doing headshots. <laughs> so for me right now, it's a, it's a, it's a mechanism to, be, to, to support the community. And do you
0: network that way?
1: I do. And yeah. sometimes when I don't feel like talking, I can hide behind the camera. When I'm feeling a little introverty. so uh,
0: introverted, it can, uh,
1: <laughs> it can serve a useful tool. But um, that that is the photography is a hobby, and it's like my give back gotcha. to different events and places.
0: Well, so if you wanted people to contact you for IT things, how can people get in touch with you?
1: Well, I'm very easy to find on social media. I imagine you'll have all my my things linked. In
0: yeah, the, I will. I have to, I have to cyberstock. I always do this with clients. I have to, or
1: cyber I have
0: to cyber you a little bit so I can make sure I quote everything correctly for you. But yes, so I'll, I'll make sure I have some information on the business radio X website, but you're, you're findable, obviously. Yeah,
1: I'm pretty findable and you know, we're on Google maps, we're on Facebook. Um, it, all, all the social media ties to the same place and the new website is going to be polar night.com. Gotcha. It's actually already up and running with a very small, splash page we're still working out some of the, of the uh, legalities just
0: have to wait till december 21st
1: yes apparently that'll be i have, to have a, an event at my office but my office is too small to have everyone oh. from woodstock show up so maybe i need an event planner uh,
0: well here at the innovation spot <laughs> you can find some a, a spot well i'm so excited you came in it was really wonderful to talk to you and i was very nervous about it so i appreciate that you, you... are you still nervous no i'm okay. not no <laughs> no but it's partly because you did the thing like you're a doctor where you kind of made it understandable for me, a lay person who doesn't have the knowledge you do. So I appreciate that. Thank you. Well,
1: thank you for inviting me. It was nice.
0: You're welcome. Yay. And thank you all for listening to Fearless Formula on Business Radio X. And this is Sharon Klein reminding you that with knowledge and understanding, we can all have our own fearless formula. Have a great day.